and creative writing from Elon University. In April 2022, she was selected as a Kiss Pitch mentee for a two-month-long writing mentorship program. In her day job, she works as a marketing director for Cengage Publishing, where she gets to be a storyteller every day. And I guess my first question is, did I pronounce your place of employment correctly? (laughs) Cengage, yes. Cengage Group is a textbook publishing company. I work on the digital higher ed side. Very cool. Beatread is such a vague term. How do you define it? I was thinking about this, and I think there's the classic definition of, you know, a book that takes place on a beach or is really lighthearted, usually a romance, um, usually families coming together, that sort of thing. But I think it's really, I know when I'm looking for a beatread, I'm looking for something to entertain me something where I'm not going to have to think too much. I don't have to look up a bunch of words. I can just get into the story, really get engaged with the characters, go on an adventure, something that will take me away, um, or even something that's predictable and is just kind of something fun and lighthearted to just sink into and, you know, something you can read while you have a margarita in your hand. I love that definition. Um, Do you have any thoughts, Carrie? I have a glass of wine in my hand right now. (laughs) Perfect. So you need to read because I just got home from work. Well, I think you were going to talk about the literal beach. I have a beach in my neighborhood. So any book that I want to take there and like kind of chill out and watch the water go by, which is usually like exactly what Annie said. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think I need to hear more about this Ohio beach, Carrie. Well, we have we have beaches like on Lake Erie, but my beach is Wyoga Lake. It's just this little lake that's in um, Northeast Ohio, Stowe, Cuyahoga Falls, outside of Akron area. And my neighborhood owns the beach. So like everyone in the neighborhood has a tiny piece of it that's on their deed. So I have, I own like tiny portion. (laughs) So we all get to use it and it's I mean, it's Ohio, so it's not like always hot, (laughs) but when it is hot, it's really nice. Do people take books there? Like, is that a thing? Do you lay on the beach and read there? I do. (laughs) Um, I have seen some people with books. I think most people like grill and talk. (laughs) You know me. Like, I just sit there and watch my kids play because they can be entertained for hours there and I don't have to get them drinks. I don't have to come up with things for them to do. I just get to sit there and read and watch them. So yeah, it's awesome. That's very cool. Um, you're right. That was one of my next questions. Like, does it have to actually be a literal beach to be a beach read or like, what does a beach represent to you? Right. Yeah. I think that is like the classical definition of what a beach read when I picture the covers that have the um, towels and the hat and, you know, a a woman drinking on the beach. But I do think it's more just an escape. 
Um, so I, I love when the beach read is actually on the beach, but I think if it's someone else on vacation or someone else traveling or having an adventure, that kind of encompasses um, the same sort of idea. And I also think sometimes I feel like reading a thriller when I'm on the beach, you know, not one that's too dark or too gruesome, but, you know, a mystery or something that you can really dive into. Yeah, I was going to ask about genre too. So I feel like people so often conflate beach read with romance or women's fiction. And I feel like just like those genres, like people can be really condescending about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I guess my very pointed question is like, tell me about why this is about gender. <laughs> you don't actually have to take it in that direction. <laughs> I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do think it's funny that we have the genre of women's fiction or chiclet. And I have read books written by men that could have fallen under that same category, but because it's written by a man, it's just fiction or literary fiction. Um, So it is tricky. And I know it's marketing and it's targeting that audience. And, you know, they're doing that for a reason. And that's who's reading those books. Um, But yeah, I always come back to that concept of if this was written by a man, would it be considered women's fiction? And I don't even know if Nicholas Sparks sometimes gets put in that category. Um, it's almost more just bestseller. So I don't know that's really answering your question, but yeah, I have some conflicting thoughts on that whole matter. Today I was looking at Twitter and my Twitter friend who is a librarian and a, an author and she does collection development too. So we are kind of similar. She mentioned upmarket fiction and I feel like that's a better term. Well, I think it would be more of a better term for like women's fiction because it's not necessarily always about women and you wouldn't say men's fiction Mm -hmm. because it's not like, what do you mean when you say men's fiction? You know, like when I think of men's fiction, I think of like those stupid like war novels that I have to buy for the library. (laughs) I don't know, but I like the term upmarket for books that are like book club fiction might be a beach read like Jennifer Weiner Mm -hmm. but not necessarily you know what I mean like that whole like Jonathan Tropper would be women's fiction if he wasn't a man you know what I mean Um, so more of like kind of an all-encompassing something that is easy to read and sells well description right Um, which I think kind of Brings up another point about the snobbiness. People are snobby about beach reads, but they sell. They make a lot of money. Like, that's what people want to read. So, True. What is your favorite ever beach read? I knew this question was probably coming. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad at picking favorites because I love reading new things. Um, so, gosh. I mean, I this is probably a boring answer, but I really love the book Beach Read by Emily Henry. Um, I know she doesn't need any help promoting that book, but um, that book, whenever it came out, it really got me back into writing again. And I just loved it. It just made me, you know, you go through those phases where you kind of fall out of love with reading or out of writing. And that one just made me fall back in love with all of that again. Um, So that I think is my staple. But before that, and the book that I always tell people to read if they're in a slump and it's not on a beach and I don't really know why it's a beach read but the book the idea of you 
um, by Robin Lee. It's like low-key Harry Styles fanfic. Um, it's really fun. And that's that's kind of one of those like candy books I always recommend people if they're just looking for something fun and easy they want to get back into reading. That's cool. I've never heard of that book. I assumed that Emily Henry would come up when mm-hmm. you think of Beach Read, you think of Beach Read. Like that was an ingenious title. I know. Like, that just skyrocketed her up, skyrocketed up her up the charts like at my library we didn't do it last year but this year we did a March Madness style tournament and we pitted books up against each other and had people vote for their favorites and people you meet on vacation won the March Madness tournament so we know that now to say what I love about that book too is it's about a female author, right? Who's writing more popular books, you know, whose neighbors with a serious literary male writer. And so it really does take that genre and just twist it even more. Um, So yeah, I love, I love everything about that book. I, yeah, I totally love all of Emily Henry's books, but I saw in, just to play devil's advocate, I saw an interesting Twitter conversation where um, some romance authors uh, kind of felt like and readers kind of felt like she was like trying too hard to like subvert tropes mm-hmm. and be different. Um, and I can kind of see that too. Fiction is always heading is like, how do we twist things more? Like how much more meta can we get <laughs> about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the tropes aren't going anywhere, you know, they're in no danger of disappearing. So I think we're okay. <laughs> I would have, you know, I would have felt really bad about saying this if I hadn't read all of the bad stuff about Ellen Hildebrand. Spill the tea. I want to know about this because I don't read her. And she's so so popular at my library. But I was thinking like Beach Read, all of her covers are like super peachy. But I was not really impressed with the book of hers that I read. And then I don't know if you know more about this, Annie, but in our, um, not our Slack, our Discord channel, people were saying like apparently she's really mean like thinks she's the only good <laughs> beach read author yeah I don't know I don't know much more than you but I I was reading all that too and I know in her last book she had a kind of problematic Anne Frank comparison that got taken out so there's that that too yeah okay, I do so remember don't that read, don't read her on the beach <laughs> we have do read and don't read she's um, canceled are there any that you're really anticipating <laughs> Like any, what are you going to read on the beach this summer? Well, I, I will be going to a real beach. I go to uh, Bald Head Island. My best friend has a house there every summer. So I am very excited. Um, I am in the middle of reading One Italian Summer right now um, from Rebecca Serrell. It's, it's not what I would call lighthearted, but it is great. But on my list, I want to read something wilder by Christina Lauren. And then I love all the Catherine center books. Those are always very lighthearted. I think she has a new one, the bodyguard coming out soon. Maybe it's already out. I have so many though, just so many stacked up. I just also finished reading the house on the cerulean sea, which is kind of falls in that category. We were talking about where it's written by man and it's, I wouldn't say it's a bee tree, but it is really beautiful and, I don't know. It's It does take place on a beach, and I would highly recommend that one. I've heard so many good things about that book, and a lot of people have said the audio is good. So my library subscribes to Hoopla, which is a 
always available audiobooks. You don't have to wait in line for them. So I put that on my list, but oh, so many things on the list. And I read one Italian summer for book list and I liked it. I definitely thought, you know, it's a little heavier. It is a good beach read. Yeah, it's I. It has great descriptions of Italy. So if you're looking oh, for yeah. something that's gonna like take you away, and it talks about the food and the culture and the place, like that aspect of it. And I'm listening to it. And Lauren Graham of Gilmore Girls fame is reading it. So um, that's fun. So it, I really like. But I I get it. it's not. It's definitely not lighthearted. I'd add some trigger warnings to it. Um, I have my my pile. Um, I got an arc of. Melissa Albert's are crooked hearts that I'm super excited about because I found her Hazelwood books like so immersive and like I couldn't think about anything else <laughs> while I was reading them. Also some Christina Lauren, uh, I'm yes. the Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating. And then this one I am very excited about the Jagged Little Pill novel by Eric Smith and uh, Diablo Cody, I think will be oh, that's really, fun. Like, nostalgic. And, and I think it's like kind of YA too. Um, I don't, I didn't even really look at what it's about. I just saw, okay, there's a Jagged Little Pill novel and it's by Eric Smith and Diablo Cody. <laughs> I feel like it's definitely the like nostalgic, relaxed, like easygoing vibe. Why don't you both talk about your your not relationship, but like your affiliation <laughs> with Kiss Pitch? Because I am very interested in that. Yeah. So we were both picked for Kiss Pitch, which is super exciting. So um, exciting. We're part of the Friday Kiss Facebook group. And long story short, anybody in that group was able to submit an application where we put, was it like a synopsis and first couple chapters I don't remember what we did initially um and then different mentors who are established romance authors selected who they wanted to work with and yeah it's exciting so we both got picked and so now I think most of us are kind of working on some developmental edits and then there will be line edits the program was supposed to only run through June but so everybody's going a little longer than that for me my developmental edits are due the end of June and then we'll do line edits um also like right after the winners were announced um was when like the Roe v Wade decision was announced and the Texas shooting happened so like there's been lots of world stuff that is like pretty distracting when you're trying to write something fluffy <laughs> so I think a lot of mentors are be are giving us a lot of grace but it's really exciting I love my mentor yeah it's and I also really love I love my mentor too I'm working with um the writing duo Aaron Rose um and they have been so great in in getting me on track and helping me with everything I need to do and just like holding my hand through the whole process but it's also been great connecting with the fellow mentees and having our little Discord and our Facebook group and just knowing there's other people kind of going through the same writing process at the same time. And it really is. I mean, Carrie, you know what it's like to be in a writing group where you can kind of complain to people. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is, it's really nice to like have a place to be like, wow, how am I supposed to write a happily ever after in this world right now? And people like also kind of get it and are also trying to do that on a deadline. And everyone is really wonderful. Everyone in the program is really great. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's. I'm those. curious where the where they'll take this program because um, I feel like it's been so far really good and really successful. We'll see what happens next. 
Yeah, we're making like the next generation of beach reads for what, like 2024? Yeah, I think. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, that actually brings me to my last question, which is about craft. Um, what are you taking con- into consideration when you're trying to make a book that is lighthearted and relaxing and a leisurely read? Such a great question. Um, well, I will say my first draft. Um, so my my book takes place on an island. Um, it is exes who have crashed um, and are stranded on an island and have to work together to survive. So my first draft was not very lighthearted. And I kind of quickly learned that I needed to pick a genre, pick a category and pick a direction and decide if I was writing like a gritty survival novel or something more of a beach read. And once I decided I wanted to do the beach read romance rom-com, I mean, it was really just keeping that front of mind. And I actually went through when I'm editing and each chapter or each scene or section, I will put like the feeling I want to convey or the mood or the vibe or whatever it is kind of just in notes to myself or in the corner. And so then when I write, I keep coming back to that, like just trying to remember this is supposed to be like the sexy scene or this is supposed to be the funny part and really keep that front and center so that the vibe carries through. And I'm not, you know, having them eating bugs in the sand like I was in my first draft. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. That's funny. So if you're working on a bee trade and you want it, like Becca was saying, to be leisurely. What kinds of things do you do to the characters to create that conflict? How do you, I don't want to say how you resolve it, because that would be a spoiler, but maybe some examples. I mean, For me, it really comes back to the tropes and the genre. Like, I feel like when people sign up for a romance, I mean, not I feel like when people sign up for a romance, they know there's going to be like a third act conflict and then it will uh-huh. be resolved. And so just providing that, providing what people expect, I think makes the conflict still kind of leisurely. But I have had to, so something I realized I wasn't doing in the draft that I submitted is I was like not showing happy fun times. <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah. trying to like meet all the beats. And so I actually have like on Scrivener for the chapter I'm working on tomorrow, it's like happy fun time chapter. <laughs> and that's, that's all I'm working with because I think, like, it can't just be about the plot. Like, you have to let people immerse themselves in the good feelings, too, to get that betrayed feel. Yeah, I think that was one of the lessons a lot of us learned. I remember seeing a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, I'm working on that same thing. Because I know, I, you know, as soon as my characters got together, I broke them up right away. And it was like, no, we got to sit with that for a second and, and let, yeah, let the readers enjoy it. And you kind of have to hit those beats, too. Like, in, so if you're doing, like, a slow burn... And then you get them together. It's like you almost have to break them up immediately because you need that kind of final, you know, closure. But then I've seen some writers make it so that they're not actually breaking up, but they're having some kind of problem. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't give examples because I don't want to spoil any books for anyone. But I'm sure everyone's read books where things like that happen. I saw a request on Twitter for that very specific thing. Like people were asking for books without a third act breakup. It might be part of the same like 
we want leisure. We want <laughs> something relaxing. Like even if we know it's getting better, maybe we just don't feel like dealing with anything <laughs> that hard in our reading worlds. I get it. I was going to also add or ask um, one category we haven't talked about that I don't know if really falls into this, but nonfiction sometimes can be a good beach read. Like I love reading um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic when I'm on vacation or Eat, Pray, Love um, or anything by David Sedaris is kind of my go-to for just... You know, sometimes it's nice just to have someone's like funny stories as opposed to a full character arc. I read something super weird on the beach last year. And I think that was definitely like, okay, it's a literal beach read. Like it's way too heavy for that definition. (laughs) It was about like sexual taboos. (laughs) But I read it. It was not fiction. I read it so fast. It was like, it was so interesting and weird. (laughs) And were you like staring, like looking around at all the like half naked people on the beach? Like, what are you into? Like, I know, right? I know. Like the first part of it was things that people just seem find weird, but they're not like taboo, taboo. And then like the second section was like, oh my gosh, why would anybody ever do this? And like people who actually do that stuff. And it's like, whoa. But it's funny because you can remember, at least I can, I remember Every book that I read, I remember whether or not I read it on the beach or on my back porch or mm-hmm. on my couch. Like, I don't know. Am I the only one who does that? And to like to the degree where when I drive, because I listen to a lot of audiobooks, when I'm driving, I will think of certain parts of certain books when I'm in different places in my town because I remember Me where too. I read them. Me too. I bet that has a name. Some sort of like sense memory. Yeah, probably. So I wonder how like being in or being on vacation or being on the beach like I wonder how that actually affects a reading of a book like it probably actually changes our experience of it too I'd imagine and I feel like that's really one of the only times I sit and read a whole book at once like a lot of times I'm just like trying to get chapters in at night or maybe on the weekend I'm reading more but to read a book in one sitting or close to one sitting is a different experience you really just get to like absorb it all yeah, I read one. We I was on vacation last week and we didn't go on a beach, but it's just something about you hike all day and then you go back to the hotel and you're like, I'm just going to read for three hours sitting in the hotel room while my kids watch TV. And I read this one called When Life Gives You Vampires. I think it comes out in October. So it's more like a Halloween thing, but it was a perfect beach read. Like anybody would love to read it on the beach. I think it's a paranormal romance about a woman who becomes a vampire without realizing that vampires exist (laughs) she wakes up and she is a vampire poof and she doesn't remember why so it's it was perfectly structured like I wrote this in my goodreads review I'm like anybody even if you don't like romance don't like paranormal should read it because it was just it hit every note from like planting the Chekhov's gun to bringing it back at the appropriate time and then the ending that the reader expects but doesn't expect like it was so good so that actually makes me think of something you were talking about earlier with the slow burn and then like bringing you back at the appropriate time do you think that do beach trees need to be fast-paced i do think they have to entertain i think that's kind of part of it um because especially when you're on vacation you're just like looking to 
be entertained and have fun. But I guess people are entertained by different things. So if a slow burn is what someone's into, that's probably going to work for them. Do your partners read on the beach or on vacation? No. <laughs> Mine is like tech books. It's mm. not... <laughs> yeah. Have y'all have y'all been watching um, The Summer I Turned Pretty at all? That just came out. I mean, it's for teenagers, but it's based on the series by Jenny Han. I think it came out on Prime on Friday. And it's just this whole conversation. It's like, it's very much the quintessential beach read turned into um, a series. And oh, it's so nostalgic and fun. What is, for both of you, I guess, although Becca, I kind of know a little bit about your process. So Annie, what is your process when, you know, developing an idea to possibly an outline? And then, you know, how does this all work for you? Hmm. Yeah. So usually an idea will come to me like a scene or a few scenes, almost like a movie, and I'll try to get that down. And then I usually if I can't get out of my head, I'll I'll actually sit and try to make something happen with it. Um, For this current story I'm working on, I decided to do NaNoWriMo in 2020. And day one, I had a whole outline for a whole different story. And then I had a shower thought. And day two, I'd started writing Crash Landing because I couldn't get out of my head. So it really came out just, you know, a very rough draft zero um, during the month of November. And then I really, like I said, that was the draft that it was like a little more traumatic and survivalist. And then I went back and added um, kind of the whole lens of it being more of a romance and did a reverse outline, did a scene list. And that's kind of when I went through and did all the actual plotting and figuring out what the heart of the story was and what the beats were. Um, but I already knew the characters and I already had those scenes really flushed out in my head. So it's going from there. And now my um, Kiss Pinch Minties are, or mentors are making it shine even more. I read a lot of craft books in the meantime as well. That's what I was going to say. So we usually ask our guests what their favorite craft books are. So how did that help you develop your story? Um, Save the Cat is definitely a classic. Um, My father writes like short plays and films and whatnot. And so he he was really good to talk to about just like the structure of a story. And I also really love Stephen King's book on writing. It's not necessarily crafting plot, but it really is a lot about just writing and how, I don't know, sentence structure and and all of those things that just to kind of solidify. Um, So reading that, I read that a few times. It always inspires me to really think about writing because his, his brain is just so fascinating to me and, I think he does a really good job of explaining, like dissecting what writing is and how it works, um, as opposed to me just kind of wandering through the woods blind, like I feel like I'm doing sometimes. But yeah, and then I, I've gotten a lot more into um, some of the tools, um, like the creating a reverse outline and things like that, that aren't so much a whole book, but just some of those editing processes have really helped me. Tell me more about this reverse outline thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I 
reverse outline or a scene list. Um, my mentors had me start by going through every single scene, not necessarily by chapter and writing kind of what's happening in the scene, how many words are in the scene. I have a lot of flashbacks. So I made some color coding if this is a flashback or this is present time. And then we took a look at it and decided what scenes were it just really helps you. What scenes are serving a purpose? What scenes are moving things forward? Um, where are you kind of doing the same thing in a few scenes, but different ways? Um, and where are you missing major plot points? And it has really served as a map as I went back and I changed the ending pretty drastically. So I can see where the holes are after writing that all out. That's interesting. So it's not going like an outline like backwards from the ending, but it's more like taking the draft you already have and then making an outline of it. Right. It's reverse outline because I did not do an outline to start. (laughs) So I started with total chaos on the page, you know, 300 (laughs) pages of just drafting and then did an outline. So outline in reverse in that sense. That's interesting. I have a friend who does that and she has written like a million books and she's a cozy mystery writer, which is another great beach read. I love reading cozies on the beach, but she's written like 50 books, maybe more than that. I don't know. She just, and she is like, someone tell me how to outline because I can't do it. She has to write the discovery draft and then go back and do that. So, and she's like, sometimes they don't even know the killer before the last chapter. Wow. Wow. I didn't have an outline going in, but I still found the reverse outline super helpful because like what Annie was saying is I had so much redundancy and like there were some holes, but I wanted to shout out another resource that I got because of our Kiss Pitch group, the Emotion Thesaurus. Oh, yeah. I love that. We were all saying that we're going to have to like call it a co-writer for <laughs> for our books. It's, I love it. I, I feel like I had kind of gotten the hang of, you know, show, don't tell. But for like each emotion, it's like I had one go-to uh-huh. show for that emotion. And this gives me so many alternatives. So, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is on my coffee table just at all times. I got it for Christmas. I asked for it. And then I was like, I don't know if I need this. And then ever since this program, I was like, oh, yep, this is out all the time. It's great. I really want to read them all, but there's so many. And I'm like, can I buy these for the library? Because <laughs> like, there's oh, so God. many of them. Yeah. Emotion Thesaurus and Save the Cat. Did y'all read Save the Cat Writes a Novel? Mm-hmm. That's actually the one I'm referring to. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I am so glad I bought that book because it is beat up. There's, I've read it, you know, marked pages, gone through it a million times. Like anytime I'm going to write an outline that and KM Wyland's books, which I've talked about a million times. So podcast listeners are like, not again. <laughs> but those are yeah I love that we all kind of resonate on the same topics mm-hmm. yeah Annie why don't you tell our listeners about what you're working on next and where to find you um you can find me on Twitter uh let me think of what my name is Annie with an e um I'm fairly new to Twitter but you'll find me tweeting about my cat and writing and all sorts of things there and yeah, I'm, I don't know what's next next, but what I'm currently working on is finishing up my Kiss Pitch story, Crash Landing, hoping to finish up my edits sometime in July and then start 
diving into those query trenches. And I have a few other books percolating that I'm trying to push out of my head until I get this finished. But um, yeah, it's it's been a, really inspiring to work with everyone and hear everyone's stories and know there's a lot more stories out there to be written. I know you kind of told us a little bit about it, it but do you want to give us Sure. 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 Yeah. I'd love to. I feel like it's, I've been living this story lately. Um, So yeah, it's takes place on an Island. Like I was saying, it is about exes, high school exes who haven't seen each other in about 10 years, who are both going to the same destination wedding and end up crashed on an Island um, in the Atlantic. It's, you know, not, overly tragic. It's just they're stranded there. There's a tropical storm coming through. So they're stuck there and have to really get to know each other and find their way back to one another and work together to survive. Um, And then it is a little bit about what happens once they're rescued, spoiler alert, and, you know, how they manage putting the pieces back together of kind of their newfound love on the island and what happened when they were in their you know, normal life. And that it's told in a dual timeline. So you see their high school storyline and the storyline happening on the beach at the same time. And they kind of echo each other. I am so excited to read it. I can't wait. It's been fun. It's been fun having a little island escape to go to, especially when it was colder. Now I'm really living it these hot days in North Carolina. (laughs) But yeah. I think that's a good point is that some of these books can also be a really nice way, like a way to relax by writing, even though it's still a lot of work, just the process of revising this has been much more laid back than my lit fic book. It just, it's fun to write too. I'm curious what is going to come out. Cause I, I feel like a, this story for me was born out of the pandemic and needing a place to escape to. And I feel like a lot of what people are working on right now is the same situation. So I am curious, like you were saying, 2024, 25, what we're going to be seeing. It's going to be all the creativeness that's come out of this crazy time. Yeah. Hopefully lots of deep reads. Thanks for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at writingblock.com. Okay. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends everyone and happy writing.